road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. Hey guys, before we get into this week's show, I want to remind you we're always looking for new guests. If you think you'd be a good fit or know someone, hit us up at info at professionconfession.com. Likewise, we want to do a new thing where you can send us your own confessions. Maybe you don't think you have enough for a whole episode, but you have a good story or something like that you want us to read on the air. That would be really fun. You can hit us at that same website, or we have a form on our website that you can come on. You can fill it out. We'll keep it anonymous. Same thing for our guests. You know, protecting your anonymity is the whole thing. So uh, spread the word, and thanks for listening. Hey, guys, I don't like to make this show personal, but certain things have happened that force my hand. This next part goes out to one of our listeners, actually, and he knows exactly who he is. Don't you, Mike? You deflowered my wife, Mike. She was my best friend, and you ripped her fucking heart out. I can live with the fact that she cheated on me, but I cannot live with the fact that you broke her heart. She was ready to commit to you, ready to give you everything that I've always dreamed of, and you took it and flushed it down the toilet. You broke her heart, Mike, and now I'm going to break yours. The first person you trust your heart to, the first person you give yourself to completely and breathe as one with, I will fuck her, and you better not tell my wife or her mom because that'll just piss me off more. Mrs. Noah is the love of my life, and you fucked her from behind and broke her trust so I never get to do that. She is so dead and numb inside that I would have to headbutt her clitoris with a motorcycle helmet just to get her to notice me. You made my dream woman a nightmare, and the fact that you listen to, share, subscribe, rate, and have appeared on this show just shows how truly sick and twisted a fuck you are. Fuck you, Mike Lester. I hate your stupid sketches and your fucking yelling jokes. Do not go to shows of comedian Mike Lester's, guys. He will fuck your wife and ruin everything. All right, on with the show. Hey, guys, welcome to Profession Confession. This week's episode is part two of Gabe's little heroin diary. Um, My audio journal of heroin stories. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed part one. I think it gets better as they go. We're still being interviewed by the wonderful man, Brian Miller. Extremely funny comedian. Look him up on Twitter, at RealBrianMiller. Also, he is in our military special ops episode, which is our number one episode. So check that out if you have not. And um, enjoy the show. I should say before we go, we're, we're putting up all this bonus content on our website and our Facebook and Twitter pages. So feel free to check that out, and we appreciate any help sharing and spreading the word. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. 
and enjoy the show. Thanks. Bye. That's enough to keep you coming back. Like, I want that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if and, I up that dose? Oh, and, absolutely. And now, as you're doing heroin more and more, does the, does the high change? Does it start to th- mellow out a little bit or th- even out a little? So, yes, but not to a great extent. It does take more to get high mm. and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's good every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're never like, oh, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't even find it. Um, I remember doing a ton of blow. And, you know, you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep and it's just miserable. Like where you wake up the next morning or when you, whenever you fall asleep and you're like, this is the worst shit I've ever done. I'll never do that again. Yeah. I didn't have that with heroin. I, I don't remember going, you know, because there's not a big hangover. Because you haven't been, you haven't had withdrawals. Exactly. So if there's no, before the withdrawal, there's no downside right. at the beginning. That's right? what I would say. And it's extremely dark. And, you know, I mean, this yeah. is now accessing what my real heroes or whatever like yeah. you know that stuff and i kind of and i'm in la and i'm you know it's yeah you buy into it this is all part of a package deal it for is. you in a way right no question but the drugs are now becoming the dominant part of the package yes. and i i fall in love with the idea of myself as a writer comedian in hollywood these are my addict years and you're telling people you're a writer Yes. At parties. Yes. Are you getting laid at this point, or are you t- such a mess that you're not getting laid? So I'm not a mess. I'm still absolutely, okay. even when I'm hooked in those early years, you're young and vibrant enough uh-huh. that you pull it off. You can sure. go to a party and still look a little, whatever, handsome. You can still, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's like later in the night where the wheels fall off and you get, you drink 12 beers and then you've been smoking heroin all day so then it's just like you get to be a gross thing so you're kind of like an artistic fraud in a way but you're yes. presi- but 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 you're <laughs> at this point not now yeah uh, but at this point you're kind of a fraud the classic hollywood guy i'm a producer i'm a screenwriter they don't Absolutely. produce shit they don't screenwrite anything uh but 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 you're but you're functioning your furniture store you're going you're doing the heroin but now okay now you've done it a bunch of days in a row mm-hmm. and when's the first time that you couldn't get it Ooh, i don't remember that being the reason why I stopped. I oh. think, however, I almost guarantee you it. So, so you I, chose to stop. I withdrew. I've gone through withdrawal many times. Okay. Um, and I had only one severe withdrawal, but most of the stuff, you know what, man? I really never stopped for three, four years. It, you know, what it was was you'd get sick or you'd say, we're stopping. Okay. So you'd say, I'm stopping. And what stopping. would prompt you to say we're stopping? Would you have a becoming, bad experience? No. Nope. Becoming aware, you know, money becomes a problem really fast. Sure. And how expensive, by the way, when you, when you buying, when you said he had a, came into a gram of it, how much yes. was a gram? So a gram was like $100. Okay. There, and that lasts much. four days. Yep. But what, what, what you need to get high, at least in those days, and, and we were getting, what I've learned now is very pure stuff. Okay. And, um, you know, you'd really need $20. To get your daily dose. And where okay. this really jumped off or really got heavy was uh, we moved from the Oakwood. A couple of us broke off, moved with more friends over to Moore Park Drive in North Hollywood by Bob Hope's house. Is and this like, dingier? Is this getting like more sorted? Nope. Nope. This okay. is still okay. I mean, the apartment is dingy and sorted. Yeah, because you guys are there. so you're bad in the yeah. area. Um you know, it was like a mile from Bob Hope's mansion where, yeah. you know, you'd see where the writers would throw the jokes over his fence. You'd see that stuff. Yeah. And um, and when it really got bad, 
maybe the first time is after that place on Moore Park, that fell through. People moved and broke up. Mm. And I ended up doing a Craigslist thing to find someone who needed a roommate in Hollywood. Mm. And I moved into this. I mean, you want to say for someone who's making his own deluded fantasy that he's living in, Mm -hmm. I find this. It's an old 50s motel where it's two levels and all the rooms face the pool in the middle. Sure. You know? And it was called the Franklin Manor. And it was on El Cerrito and Franklin in Hollywood, right behind Man's Chinese Cinema. Mm -hmm. So I moved there. And a little while ago, I was talking about a world opens up to you Uh that I never finished out on. And at this point, I had become... I guess a junkie. And, and really what I'd say is it does happen sort of uncon- right. consciously unconscious. The frog in the water temperature that's raising. You never yeah. really feel the temperature going up when yeah. it's hot. You're kind of aware of it, but you're always pushing it down. Yeah. You are doing everything in your yeah. power to not confront that. Yeah. And, and you know, I do remember there being a point where you sort of accept, like, I'm hooked on this right now. But even that, you're not doing as like... I'm hooked for now. Yes. But I'll stop. Yep. Obviously, I got to stop eventually and yeah. get this out. But for now, fuck it. You Which know people that. do with booze. The funny thing is plenty of people have a $20 a day booze habit and have the same thought and do it for years and years and years. Absolutely. It's not like cocaine where like cost prohibitive, like insanely right. cost prohibitive. Right. And I'm still, you know, pushing it on people, my friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I fucking had one of my best friends that I... He lived in San Francisco, so I bought a Bible, and I did that thing where you cut pages out of yeah, it. Yeah, you hollow the Bible thing. up. Yeah, hollow the Bible up, and I sent him heroin. He didn't even ask for it. I just fucking sent it on, you know, and he was thrilled <laughs> or whatever afterwards. Did you but, ever get anybody started that couldn't stop? Um, Yes. Yes. Which Friends? is, yeah, which is uh, my, my little sister. Really? Yeah, profoundly, and I didn't even know if I... I I've wrestled with this, and I probably have to call her about this to make sure. But, um, yeah, no, she, this is la- wow. way later in, in the timeline, and this is when I – I mean, it's truly the shame of my life. Well, we will get to We will get that. to that. I'm making a note yeah. of that. But before we get no. to so, – so now you're doing it regularly. Yes. Right? And, and Who are you buying from? I got is it always the same people. person? That, that's, you know, I know yes. you have bought from a lot of interesting people. Yes. So I got – you know what? I got multiple people hooked. You know, it's okay. a, it's a you know now that I'm thinking about it, I can yeah. think of more already. Um, so I moved to the Franklin Manor, and that's where a lot of this got heavy. This is where it got heavy. The furniture store job that I had went; they sold out. Okay. So, and I remember going like, I gotta find a job. Blah, these blah. all these and, rugs smell weird. We can't sell them anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what I mean, these, these salespeople are so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They're all and, leaning around. Yeah. And um, one of my coworkers, I said something about, um, you know, finding a new job or something. And she said, like, Gabe, it's California. Like, just sign up for California unemployment and work on your writing. (laughs) You know, that I'm talking about all the time. Yeah, of course. And, um, And I was like, yes, perfect. Because now I went from a person who bilking the government was shameful to putting it through my prism of like, no, it's something like Bukowski would do. Like, this is like an artist grant. Exactly. This is your version of MacArthur Dirty Genius Grant. No question. And um, I think I got like, it was only $200 or less less every two weeks than what I was getting working. Yeah. It was like, whatever, 690 bucks or something like that every two weeks. 
And yeah, I'm just going to start working on that novel yeah. or hitting stand up hard. Whatever. I'm finally going to do it. Mm-hmm. And and when we when I moved to that Franklin Manor, I see this guy who just looks like heroin in a person. I mean, just he. It, you know, we're in L.A. It's 96 degrees, and he's got a dark brown flannel on and black jeans tucked into Doc Martin boots, and his hair is unkempt. Yeah, and, and and like anything, once you start doing, like once you start smoking weed, you can always find the weed guy at the party. You start getting that nose for news. Yeah, just like ah, that's the guy. And this guy lived in the very front apartment, right by the front door, and I was on the opposite corner of the pool, so I could look over the pool and see whenever his door opened. So I'd be out reading, and I'd see this guy, and he'd like open his door, and he'd come out guilty. You know, he'd like step out of his own apartment, like with shifty eyes, look to both sides, and walk right out the front door with a rush and then he'd be back in 20 minutes and he'd go right back into his apartment really fast the same way. Well, then every now and then I'd see him out playing guitar and it ends up that he's, um, so his name was, uh, was Greg Vess. I'll just say it on this. We'll bleep it if we have to. Um, His name was Greg. Um, His name was Greg. It's pretty pretty bland. There's a lot of Greg vibes. Absolutely. (laughs) But he is a, he was a guitar player and hmm? in, in a seminal punk band oh. called Blood on the Saddle. Oh. And Blood on the Saddle's fucking awesome if you find their shit. Um, and I'd see him out playing guitar. I did not know who he was mm-hmm. at this point, but you could tell how, how his playing is really great. What 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 I went on to find is that he um, his band was like the second cowpunk band. You know what cowpunk is? Yeah, like absolutely. Gun club sort of yep. and social whatever. And he would have shit where it's like he'd have posters of him opening for the Red Hot Chili or I'm sorry, the Red Hot Chili Peppers opening for him. Um you'd find LA Weekly articles calling him local virtuoso. Like sure. he was a rare punk rocker who could play who was a true virtual fucking bending the neck of a telecaster like in his I mean wow. incredible. Playing two parts he'd play a rhythm with his top thing, and then I mean, a he punk was rocker who can play is a amazing. rare breed, uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah. know. And it was, it was like, back then, at least. Yeah, oh, for now. sure. I mean, he got like when his band sort of disbanded because of heroin stuff. Like he played guitar for the Vandals for a while, and you know, I mean, yeah. the guy was uh, really well known. He was basically the living the life that you kind of wanted to be, for sure, right? For sure, because he's doing the art and he's doing yeah, the drugs and he's real. He was the bad example because he was kind of done and washed out oh okay let's okay. say he was like 44 i'll say 43 and you know i'm 27 and you're still right? in the same apartment complex absolutely and he's not not on the road very often okay and just the way he dressed i mean he was just interesting and his stories you'd sit around and hear about you know him showing John Frusciante some guitar lick or whatever it was. You know, I mean, they were all incredible. Frusciante was like kicked out of the band for doing heroin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> exactly. And um, he'd, I, I, there was some day where he was sitting in the very front thing with his guitar head down. We had not become friends yet. In fact, I don't, I don't even know that I'd say it said much more than hello to him. Mm. And he came by. And I think I had heroin in my pocket. And I said something to the effect of like, and I, you ever say these like shocking things where it's a joke, like you're saying it, it's a joke, but it's true, you know? And I'd yeah. say, hey man, uh, I'm going to do some heroin in my apartment if you want to come with. And I said that as a signal. I presented yeah. it like a joke, but it was a, a signal. 
And he like looked up and like kind of like grin, like looked like angry and looked down. And I went in my apartment. And I, I, I don't know. There was a thrill for me to say it. Kind of like God, I wonder what's gonna. I don't know. And two minutes later, there's a knock at my door. And I remember he was really like um, agitated. Kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like, why'd you say that? Why'd you say that to me? And I go, oh, you know, like nothing, man, nothing. It's fine. Just you know, whatever. And he's like, no. Why'd you say that? And I go, look, man. I, I said I. I've got some, and I thought you look like you might like to get high if you want to try some. And that started a, <laughs> like, Because uh, now it's not a judgment. Now it's a Brother Seamus kind exactly, of thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And he came in, and we smoked it, and he was my portal to the Pedros. And the Pedros were th- everything. <laughs> they were the ones who found a way to get heroin every day, any moment you wanted you know, constantly. So this is like this is like a drug intermediary sort of thing. This is the Mexican mafia. Okay. And the Pedros are what we called them because it was two little Mexican guys, mm-hmm. never more than 130 pounds each. Sure. But you know, tattoos on their face, kind of stuff with the 13s or what? what yeah. Car- you know, or the big M's. Um, and I can't remember now if it's 13s or M's, but it, it wasn't. Whatever. doesn't matter. Me- it was Mexican mafia. I know that. So Sad that they don't have their own word for mafia. Yeah, it really There should be a is. Spanish word for that. Have some pride. Is El it mafia. like mafioso? Yeah. That's Italian. Italian. Oh, close uh, enough. We should send him a letter. We should the romance level. Or, no, uh, <laughs> the language of love. Languages, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he gave me the number. And he's like, oh, you can get it. They come right up here. So street. now you have the referral to the real guys. Right. And... And he's like, they just come by any time. All you need is is twenty dollars, and they'll drive it right to you. And I was just blown away. And he has this, he has this really high, gentle voice, kind of. And he's a, such an interesting guy. But I'd call him, and I'd start copying, and I'm on unemployment. I have money, and it's just twenty bucks a day. It's so doable. And you could buy a twenty dollar bag or a thirty dollar bag, or then after thirty, then it jumps to grams or a second thirty. You know, whatever you want. And um, I'm guessing you're not eating a lot because you're doing heroin, right? Right. I mean, so it kind of is like, well, I was going to eat. I was going to spend $15 a day in food. It's almost my only expense. Yeah. You know, I mean, pretty quickly on. And you're every day now. Every day. And it's become the priority. And when I say, okay, every day, do you, do you, how many times a day do you smoke it? Constantly throughout the day. Until okay. Until it's gone. So you wake up in the morning. Yep. You either have some it. or you get some. Do you try yep. to save some from the night before to make sure you have some right when you wake yes. up? Yes. Yes. That, that's a constant battle with yourself. It's to not smoke the last of the night and then wake up and be furious Let's at yourself. not have to need it first thing in the morning. Give yourself to, some time to get your legs underneath you. Yeah. So then you can go hunt it up however you have to do it. You know. And at this point, you're just calling the Pedros and they're bringing it to you? Yep. And at this point, I have money. I am. This is a problem. I've You're, you become somewhat isolated. I know this is a problem. I'm still kind of enjoying the badness of it mm-hmm. and how, you know, whatever, fucked it. Like, I still have the, look, I'm hooked. This is a problem. But not right now. It's not. Yeah. But also, it's kind of lost its novelty in a way as a, as a prurient thrill, has it? Not, not, not quite, the drug not itself. I mean, like, the lifestyle. Is the lifestyle still cool? Nope. Still you? still definitely cool. Okay. Because it's about to really, like, open up for the people that I meet and stuff right. like that. And whatever core I was, yeah, it was yeah. definitely pretty hard. This is, this is where it takes the next step. This where is, it goes from, it goes from, I'm a daily user who's maybe got a problem to, I'm a junkie. Yeah. I do heroin. I want heroin, and 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 now I'm hanging out with only drug people, right? You're probably your right. Your non-drug world is closing on you. 
one hundred percent. Are you talking to family very often, by the way? Once a week, minimally. It's phone calls. I mean, you can you can now you can obviously you be, can bullshit your you can way be high as hell and call mm. your mom and no yeah. question. And I'm I've become at this point I've become a liar in just about every way. You know, so, you're just so now you're deceiving. Are friends deceiving, asking you? By the way, are you still doing that friends. stuff? Or how are you doing? Yep, exactly. Okay. And then the ones who are kind of asking me too many questions, making me uncomfortable, I quit talking to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all your friends, the ones who haven't converted with you. Have now become more, you know, distant. It's like either you're my friend, do heroin with me, or you're not as much in my life. It's a lot like stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very much like <laughs> too many parallels. I just traded one addiction for another. And um, so the Pedros are the Mexican mafia. They control the drug trade mm-hmm. in Hollywood, yeah. at least in many other places. Sure. When you call the phone number, they go hello. And I say, hey, um, this is Gabe. Uh, and then you just say the address. So I can't remember what it was, like uh, El Cerrito and Franklin. And then it's a 20 minutes or five minutes. So then you go out there and wait. And then you'd wait 20 minutes and you'd call and they'd say, five minutes, man. They'd always say five minutes and it made you fucking crazy. And they they were generally, though, within an hour, you'd have it. Sure. Without question. But you'd spend a lot of time standing on the side of the street in a flannel and jeans in 90-degree weather. And sure. what I said or what I was getting at way earlier was that when you're aware of that, that that's a thing, that there's these guys driving around just picking up $20 bills and putting balloons out all day, mm-hmm. You, I would go to that Mayfair market, that street behind that, with new eyes, and you'd look down the block, and it is a scratchy guy standing on every corner for a mile. Wow. And you just like... And it becomes so obvious to you, you cannot believe all these people are you, just standing like you feel ridiculous. for drugs. Right? Time, how did I not see all these people? And then you become like nervous, like, Jesus Christ, I'm a drug addict standing out here waiting for drugs. Like, they're going to call the cops. Would you almost say that you you are a drug addict the moment that you can start to really recognize the other drug addicts? Like, Absolutely. It's a self-realization as much as an external one. 100%. And that is, I mean... I still, to this day, like, you don't lose those eyes. You can notice it now all the time, man. You, there's just so many habits, and, and you start, like, you know, it must be like being, like, I used to wonder how a gay guy, like, you know, when you're at the, you're at a bathroom, you see some guy who's with a wife, but, you know, like, there's two married guys who know to end up fucking each other. Yeah. How do you make that step of go, like, eh, you know, whatever? Like, it might be an aesthetic it, judgment on me, but, like, gay guys don't hit on me all the time. Right. Like, I think they're like, nah, that guy's straight. You right. Know? And I'm not, I'm not the most masculine of fellows. But you, you learn, you, you know, like spots right. like. Absolutely. It's like when, it, when you see a guy walking to a, pl- a bar with an, a notebook room, you're like, comic. Yes. <laughs> sure. I mean, that stuff is true, and it's like. I mean, even there's just something about the energy they put yeah. off. And you are you just know are it. you looking bad, by the way? Like, are you looking rough physically, visibly? I'm young enough to pull it off still. I'm sure. probably, I definitely lost your your shine. You know yeah. what I mean? But but it's but it's generally all right. Well, you got it back. Thanks, buddy. Looks like a million bucks. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and so really get into the Pedro thing. We call them the Pedros because every time you ask them their name, they'd say Pedro. Sure. No matter what it was. And there'd be different guys. They'd swap out the dudes all the time. Oh, so it was, literally wasn't the same two dudes, but Ab- there was always two dudes. Exactly. Same car? And Yep, same car. Sure. And, I mean, they would change the car definitely. And they're generally always out-of-state plates, which I thought was strange. You'd think that you'd want 
Yeah. To blend in more. Right. Um, always little shitty disposable type cars. Sure. And they would have a, a balloon, or I'm sorry, a uh, like a big Ziploc bag with a fuckload of balloons, different colors, and like the orange and yellow um, and blue would all be heroin. And then what I'd learned later after I'd been a junkie for a while, they got little Coke balloons. They'd sell Coke in small quantities. Oh. Because you need to stay awake so you can do more heroin. Sure. That's a big part of it. It's like if you're selling the e-cigarettes, you might as well sell the vape juice. Yes, it's yes. It's all part of the package. And you um, – you, so they'd have them in the bags every now and then, but then they'd load up their mouths. And then to our knowledge, they'd stash the bag, whether they'd have a hiding spot in the vehicle mm-hmm. or sometimes they would – there was once we were in where they pulled over and they had it hidden in a bush like behind a park bench kind of thing. That's like, dangerous knowledge for a guy like you to have. Which I later tried to abuse. <laughs> we followed their car around trying to see where they dropped the bag. Of course you did. that's how bad Because that's how Because that's how it gets, right? Yeah. Oh, and to where I remember having the thought like, you know, you look and there's probably 40 balloons in there. So you go like, that's probably, I don't know, you know, three grand worth of heroin. And you just go, I could get that and then just drive back to... Uh, Minnesota, and then I'd be out of it, and then I just quit, and I'd be yeah. done, you know. And everything will work out. Yeah, great. everything will work out for me. Why wouldn't it? Yep. Um, and in fact, when you become a junkie, and when you get sick, or let's say, um, like, let's say there'd be a day where I'd only get enough for a twenty, and my habit had graduated to a thirty plus. And is that thing. is that what it's at at this point? Is it thirty to twenty? At 20s? this point, I'm still at the twenties, but just later when. You have very realistic dreams. There's something about the motor inside you and your brain. Like, it craves it so bad. Sure. You'd have these very vivid dreams about, like, I'd have dreams about seeing that blue car come around a corner and be like, oh, yes. Like, I mean, great news. The Pedros are finally here. I've been waiting for these fucking people. And I'd wake up, and it was, like, crushingly, crushingly, you know, fake. Like, oh, no, it was just a dream. i got to wait seven more hours until the Pedro show up. Or worse yet, I woke up and I have nothing and I have no money and I'm fucking sick and I'm like my, you know, you have a, like, it feels like icy hot has been rubbed on your spine. and Like, it's just like, like you have icy hot under your skin. Like, just this burning hot and then sweaty. ache. Like a burn and an ache. And then little knots in your stomach that are really strong and then you start getting some diarrhea because you haven't shit. In three days, because heroin stops you up right. completely, and um, so that's and then ugh, so that's super uncomfortable. Um, what else? Okay, so well, then, when's the first time that happens? By the way, when's the first time you get sick and get a preview of what it's like to not have heroin? I don't remember the first time. Yeah. I know what happened in that in the Franklin Manor with the Pedros. Yeah, like one day the Pedros weren't around, or you didn't have the money for the. Pedros. I don't think that ever happened. I think what more happened is maybe I only had enough money or I'd be out of money and I'd borrow some from someone to get through a few hours of the day and then I'd be out. I was always waiting on money. You know what I mean? There'd always be whether it's parents sending something because I lied about that. My Jeep broke down for the ninth time in four months or or just my my unemployment checks, whatever it was. You know, I was just, man, I called friends. I, I called friends who are working $40,000 a year jobs who, you know, have real lives and I'd ask them to lend me $100 or $200 and it's, you know, I still don't know 
if I paid everyone back or, you know, like I tried to do that when I got back and, and I just, it's such a blur this whole period. Sure. It's kind and of they, and they, How many of them knew, do you think? I think there comes a point when everyone's aware, like kind of know, but confirming's a big part of it. And also people knowing and knowing the extent is a totally different thing. Exactly. 100%. Sure. And, but back to the Franklin Manor in this mm-hmm. period where I get so dark is that's really started surrounding myself with this guy, Greg's my godfather into heroin. Right. And he's the one who kind of, you know, told me everything about it and even told me about withdrawal and just... Did he give you, like, tips? I mean, was he like your Mr. Miyagi? Yeah, but he wasn't very sophisticated with how to get out of it or, like, the withdrawal stuff because he was always high. You know, I don't think it really happened. It was like, you know, what would happen is... You'd be like, there was this guy, Dewey, who's a guitar player for the Weirdos, mm-hmm. and he'd be a heroin addict, and he'd drop in every once in a while, and he'd be smoking with us. And, you know, we were like old gentlemen. Like, <laughs> like we would go, it'd be 10 a.m., and I'd get up, the Pedro started around 9. So I'd get up, let's say 9, 9.30, mm-hmm. pretty much just throw your clothes on, and I'd walk straight over to Greg's apartment. Mm-hmm. I'd knock on his door, we'd go in. Greg had this great sense of, decorum where he'd uh he's still he's an out and out junkie he's i still looked at him as i'm way above him sure 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 he's way more he's had a problem for years more pathetic his apartment re like the first time i go in there is like disgusting what it smell like smelled like old man bo and old clothes and just disgusting it smelled like uh, like you wasn't taking care of anything it smelled like a like a 45 year old guitar player was sitting in there smoking heroin every day and not grooming himself and not vacuuming and not you know just yeah. disgusting sweaty humans yeah food out and all that shit D- dishes packed up with the you know, mold on them kind of thing. yeah and i go in there and but yet even among this um surroundings he would get out like this yellowed Tupperware that's so yellow that it would disgust me. But he would pour in some some popcorn and some pretzels and some M&Ms and then like lay it out for me to eat. Oh, the guests are Snack- here. Yeah. Put out some trail mix. Absolutely. And then on top of that, um, he would share with me his ideas about being a white supremacist. The guitar player was a white supremacist? Was a virulent white supremacist the band wasn't a white supremacist nope. band though nope because the punk has that weird subculture crossover i thought the tucked in jeans to the doc martens were because he was just you know punk yeah yeah well because you can't tell with that some of the guys their styles overlap he with had these... a flat top same way yeah right yeah you know? and or later he had a flat top and and he was so f- unbelievably gentle and polite in a way it was, there's no menace to him at yeah. all. Yeah, he wasn't like, let's go beat up some dudes. Never. Or and he never even said, you know, never said the N word. Yeah. He never said, Tevin, can you say that for us? Nigger. Yeah. All right. Get that drop. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and he, uh, the only, the closest he'd say is he'd go steal CDs from Amoeba and he'd say, well, I, I took another shot at Zog today. And wow. Go, What's Zog? You know, Zionist. Occupational government. Occupational government. Yeah. There you go. And um, wow! And so I think he was more anti-Jew mostly. Okay. Like I think he he was like an old school. A well, Hollywood's the place to be. Absolutely. God. And he um, he you moved would, to Wisconsin and, and hate cheese while you're at it. And this is how I found out about it: is um, 
like I'd kind of go in there and I'd be like, this guy's a real World War II buff. You know, like the typical – it'd be like, it looks like he's got just a little bit more Nazi stuff than the – You just go, not a lot of Pacific theater. Yeah. I'm not seeing a lot None. of uh, – no Pacific theater. That's he, what I always – if I see someone's shelf, I go, you got to look for the Pacific theater right away. If you don't see that's it, a get out of the house. Great rule of thumb. I mean <laughs> – and and he he was making what he called his he what he affectionately called his little men, and he had one of those a big um, magnifying glass, and he oh, made those yeah. little models, the little soldiers with the little battles or whatever. Exactly, and he'd make the real uh, what are the German tanks that everyone knows? Panzers. Panzers. He'd make the Panzers like you know very like to spec and lovingly real, almost lovingly <laughs> very lovingly. And then he'd make the Germans, and he'd make Americans too. And there was all the American stuff, but there was a lot more of the, you know, yeah. there was sixty-five, seventy percent of the Nazi stuff, like those douchebags at Gastovs who were having the Nazi recreation yeah. parties. And I was like, "What well, is a hell of a thing to recreate?" Yeah, isn't it? New it's ownership, so by the nice way. Don't want to get, sh- yeah, don't yeah. Want to shit on the new Gastovs owners. I'm right? Sure. sure, they're not Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> not likely. Fifty-fifty <laughs> oh. at best. So he, uh, I would look around the apartment, and it's just. So much world, but for a long time it was just foggy enough, right? Yeah, like just uh, a lot. Well, of you it. don't care. You care you, about a heroin, right? But but yet, we were doing heroin like old men drink tea or coffee, cigar or something. club kind of thing. Absolutely, it was get together in the morning. Um, we'd go to the pay. To, like one of us would go cop. So, so you would go together, be like, take your 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 day on, right? Your day off. Trust each other because you get in a sealed balloon. So there wasn't real risk, or you wouldn't worry too much. So, yeah, you go walk up to the top of the hill and get it, walk up two blocks, get it, come back. Waiting for them to come back is torture. Mm. I mean, you're just like, uh, every noise, you're gentle, like, come on, come on, come on. I mean, you do get that gross, like, excitement thing. And uh, he'd come in, and it was just, your mood would go from sick and kind of down or, like, feeling really under to just the excitement in the air. I mean, it's. You're anticipating going to a concert that you love or something like that. Like you're yeah, a little high like before is, you for sure. Knowing the drug is there is already a little high. No question. No question at all. And getting it and taking those first hits, it's like you would think we weren't two fucking losers sitting in a shithole apartment like the way we're, you know, laughing and telling stories. It's just the mood instantly elevates and it's just Is the first one? Yeah, is the first one like people talk about the first cigarette of the day has that bigger hit before you know they yeah d- the first one still has that like oh there's the sweet one yeah yeah I would say so or or definitely in the first three you know sure. what I mean like maybe the first one's just enough to get you out of the hole a little bit in, in like the macro and micro like in the evening you're maintaining in the morning you're getting high yeah exactly and I'd say uh, you know every time you do heroin it digs a little hole deeper in your soul or something where it's like. I need to fill that hole every morning just to not be sick. Sure. But the hole's a little bit more, right? Just a little little spoonful out of the bottom, you know? And and I really I used to think of it in those terms. I really had that as a strong mental picture. And uh, you just so you take your one or two hits at that point and then you're out of the hole maybe or three. And then yeah, man, we're laughing. I'm having some Cheetos in the bowl, some M and M's in this disgusting bowl that I used to not eat out. He used to hand it to me, and I wouldn't take snacks from it. Pretty soon, I'm eating shit out of there and laughing. <laughs> you know. And, and are you doing anything else? No. I mean, I'm just gonna say no, because for real, I used to go walk down to Hollywood Boulevard, and I'd sit in front of this coffee shop 
and I had my hair one in my pocket and my tin foil and my lighter and my stuff and I'd practice making fun of people walking by like like in my head I you're would, like roasting people yeah yeah in my head I'd do but you're that, not like you're insulting. not really writing oh I was writing all the time okay always writing making notes Ugh. Whatever schemes I had in my head, or you know, at this point. And I, I, see, at this point, are you doing weird shit to get money yet? Not yet. This is right. very close now. Right. Obviously, that is the inevitable point. Of yes. The <laughs> yes. Trajectory. So at this point, so then, uh, back to the Greg thing. Yeah. Kind of find out. It just kind of comes out bit by bit till I finally ask him, like, "Are you a Nazi? Are you a white supremacist?" And he said, "You know, well, I am." I would say sympathetic to the uh, views and perspectives of Adolf Hitler, but wow. you know, like, and he always he had a very gentlemanly, gentle way to always what, do things. He was not crude at all. Um, his his brother, I know, and we'd say his brother was a guest of the government, which mm-hmm. is a uh, in jail. Yes, yeah. and um, he, I can't say that I got to the bottom of that. I definitely got the sense his dad. Was racist. Okay. You know, you definitely got okay. that sense that it's a family thing. Sure. I think he was he was an intellectual, another unlikely intellectual without question. He uh, he had all this pride of being a California. Like, so one thing I'd learn is different. Like, he'd say, like, I'm a Californian. Like, you never hear, like, you don't hear, I don't know, I guess you hear people say they're from Minnesota. Well, because no one's from California. So it's like, they're not Californians. Yes. They're people who live in LA who are from all the other 49 states. Yeah. And he'd talk about the problems with, you know, all this stuff and whatever. But he wasn't spouting rhetoric in a crude way. He was, and and I would try to, you know, I I guess I have to say for an audience that doesn't know me, I am not a not, I'm not, I'm, you know, very much against that kind of shit. You're also Lebanese, so you're not exactly yeah. super white. But you I know found what I mean? it, like, yeah, but I found it super interesting. It's so interesting of how someone would come to these views. Yeah, and, and to not be angry about it is so hard for me. Yes. Like the only way I can understand racism is to kind of like imagine anger. Oh yeah, the yeah. idea of not being angry and being racist is very oh. baffling to me. He would try to put in very uh, even-headed terms, like, well, I mean, just. Like, uh, talk about Africa as a continent and all their problems. And, you know, I mean, obviously they're an inferior people. I mean, I'm sure there's nice ones. But, you know, like it was, wow. you know, very he, matter of fact. And he had fucking stats and, you know, plenty of stuff. But he wasn't even spouting stats off, but he knew them. He was very, really mm-hmm. smart. So it was an interesting, it's like sitting with a monster kind of, but. Well, that's what you wanted. Yeah. You want yeah. to meet these people, right? You're yeah, thinking. Sure. You're thinking. I'm writing a book. I'm writing a story about this guy. For sure. I'm going to write a story about a gentleman white supremacist. For sure. Right. For sure. And uh, and doing his making his little men with his magnifying glass and the paintbrush and and uh, man, one time there was um, there was this prostitute and I can't remember her name. I'm going to call her Sasha because it was something like that. Mm-hmm. And she was what you could tell is a pretty girl like she used to be hot probably mm-hmm. but already at age 25 she is fucking like it looks like someone used her to put out cigarettes oh. for the last i mean just like spotty you know she's spotty a lot of drugs oh, a lot of drugs a lot of abuse probably. i'm saying oh. A, oh yeah in every yeah. way like in a, yeah. a sad way i right. guess but you know i was still pretty well like when she'd show up You'd be like ah oh, fuck sasha's here <laughs> and she was dating one of greg's friends so whenever Corbett and Sasha came over, I was like, oh, fuck. They're going to ask us for heroin. They're going to, you know, and it was always a thing. And 
You always knew that Sasha was going to fuck some guy to get money. It's like you just, ugh, but she's, she's not gross. Like, she's not fucking guys and helping you get heroin. No, so she's, she's in no way she's a help a for pure, you. She's a one way street. You sure. know, it's all for her. And she comes over, and I was working on Greg's MySpace page for Blood on the Saddle. He's working on his little men. We're back to back in his little shitty apartment, and she came in all addled, and she wanted to use his shower because she had a date soon. <laughs> And he's Air like, quotes. yep. And he's like, you know, I don't care. Just, you know, just, just like it, we treated her so shitty. He was like, just leave me alone. Get the fuck out of here, kind of thing. But not a, never abusive. Just no, no, no. Dismissive, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And the friend that you'll never kick out of the party, but you'll definitely be mean let to her with know the party. you hate she's here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're always welcome, but we're not going to be. She nice doesn't to you. mind being somewhere where everyone hates her. Well, she's I mean, used to people it. are treating her so badly in every other exactly. Facet, right? Jesus. So she goes in the bathroom. Lights on, you hear the shower turn on, and I'm sitting, you know, the door is sort of uh, per, um, adjacent to Greg and I, but we're back to back, and it's centered on the wall, and all of a sudden, you just hear this, like, thump, and big thump on the ground, and, and I see, you know, you can see the light come through the bottom of the mm-hmm. door. In the middle of that, there's just a blocked out shadow. Shadow, yeah. And I'm like... Hey, Greg, and I just remember looking at it, and I looked at Greg, and he's still working on his little men. And I look at the shadow again, and I was like, hey, Greg? I go, I think something's wrong with Sasha. He goes, oh, fuck her. And I go, no, Greg. And I just remember, I don't know, the, your heart just, and I'm like, Greg! That moment when the gravity when becomes When you know, yeah. I know, I can't even deny in my head, that bitch just OD'd and fell down in the bathroom. And he gets up. He gets up with some real urgency, like. But it was like, a, like, ah, Sasha. And then he gets up, and he really sprung to action. Mm. And he's like, "Where are you?" And he's, he, or you know, or what are you doing? Whatever. He's knocking on the door, and we finally like, um, like kind of break the lock and like push through. And you have to push her weight through the door, like he, which slides across the floor. So weird. it's not, yeah, yeah, very weird feeling to do that. And we sneak through, and she's buck naked on the floor, and. I mean, out, and I see the needle hanging out of her arm. Wow. And it is just like, so you see the needle teetering out, so you see it, it's almost like it wants to come back out the end because it's leaning so yeah. heavy. It is oh, God. so nasty. I can't handle it. You can it. see the elasticity of the skin, like yes. the absolute elasticity. Absolutely. And, and a, you know, a little blood and all, it's just really gross. And I remember as we um, pushed, like, you know, I'm just full-on panic. I'm helping, but you're very inefficient. You know, you're just like eh, trying to do everything. You're, you're like a quarterback with happy feet. Yeah. You know, and um, and he was like, let's, you know, put her on the bed. Let's, you know, let's put her on the bed. And I grab her ankles, and he grabs her shoulders, like underneath her shoulders. And he starts to carry out. Well, as we pick her up, the needle slides out of her arm and falls on the floor and I have to walk by. I've never taken a wider path in a two foot bathroom more than I did there. I was so scared of that needle. Like if that thing pricks me oh. one millimeter, I'm going to die of everything. Uh, no question. And pro- yeah, most prominently AIDS. Yeah. And uh, we put her on the bed. She's buck naked. Very strange. You know, Breathing to, at all? Be, uh, didn't look like breathing at all. I mean, totally Dead. Seems dead. I can't say that more how dead she seemed. And um, and I remember, you know, and I put 
put my head on her chest to listen for a heartbeat. Like you just well, you're so like what the, the hell fuck else am are you I gonna doing, do? I don't right? know. And he starts grabbing her shoulders and like shaking her violently, like Sasha, Sasha, wake up, wake up. I mean, incredibly hard. And she's just limp. It's so weird to see a limp body like shook that hard. It's unnerving. And 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 he's like, and he turns to me, he's like, call the cops. And my honest thought in my head is like, fuck that shit. I'm not cops, an OD, like we're going to jail. Yeah. We're going to jail for a long time. We've killed this bitch or yeah. so, we're whatever. Gonna get manslaughter. We're going to get, yeah, these things. And at that, and he said it again. I'm like, okay. So I, you know, I grab it. I call the cops. You. What do you say? Give to him. Tell the truth. I yeah. I say um, no. I lied. I said as I did with everything back then. I said there's, uh, there's a girl OD'd at this party, and I said uh, she was out in the lobby. We put her in the apartment, or you know, something to that. Effect. Obviously, you want to separate yourself exactly. from the heroin. We're we're just helpers, and uh, <laughs> we're heroes, and. We have her on there, and then they wanted to talk more about what she had or something, and I kind of like – I was like, Greg, you have to talk to him. I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Hand the phone to Greg, and he's like, you got to keep – or like try to tend to her now. So I'm shaking her shoulders, and I start clapping. I don't know why, but I start clapping in front of her nose like as hard as I can, like going like eh. – because her eyes started to roll under her eyelids. Ah. Oh. Under her eyelids started seeing like super fast movement. Yeah, like the REM sleep kind of movement. Yes. So I'd start clapping right in front and I noticed when I do it, her eyes would sort of like uh, focus. Sure, Like sure, right sure. on the clap. Underneath the lids. Underneath the lids. And then all of a sudden I'd do it and her eyes would open and oh. she did it. But then she'd go back to close and like it looked like a seizure or what yeah. I would consider a seizure. But every time I clap, she'd do that and I'm like, okay, I think – I, I at least clapping, I think she might keep live. Her. Yeah, and I was clapping so hard, like it oh. felt like my hands are gonna break. And the um, the like we're kind of both tending and starting to panic. And I grab, it kind of dawns on me she's naked, so I throw a blanket over. Her, and I remember in the midst of this panic, Greg like looks at me and he goes, "What have you never seen a naked woman before?" And he rips the blanket off of her. <laughs> Which, like and, and I remember going like no I mean yeah I have and <laughs> chivalry's not dead right, Greg exactly <laughs> and um, and then you hear the ambulance roll up and or you hear it probably a block away at this point and I'm like I'm fucking saving myself because it ain't your apartment this is not my apartment I don't have to be here and I tear ass running out of there grab my heroin on the way out go out and I go and I remember there was um, a few other Apartment mates had come out into the pool area, like because mm-hmm. they probably heard us yelling, commotion, whatever. Sure. And I remember doing the happy feet around the pool, like you know, where should I go? Because I don't want to lose my heroin. I want to keep it. But and I threw it in a plant in the lobby, like dug down in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Went to my apartment. The um, the paramedics went in to start tending to her. Um, I went out and grabbed my heroin again, went into my bathroom and started because I couldn't leave it out there unattended no. I to, to lose it. So I brought it into the bathroom. I started smoking it all as fast as I could. Knowing the cops are coming. Thinking they're going to come and break down my door and I'll throw it in the toilet and, you know, like as if they have any interest in me whatsoever. Yeah. And um, I ended up smoking it to like almost gone. And I was like, uh, like oh, I guess eh, maybe, we're, you know, whatever, we're fine. So I... I fold it up, I hide it really good, and I go back over, and there's all now a commotion. His door is open, and everyone's leaning in, a whole bunch of people. And one paramedic was coming back in, and he had a big syringe. 
and it's what I've learned now is Narcan. Narcan, yeah. Yep. And he goes in, and I kind of follow him in, and I'm standing, but I've still I stayed in the doorway with some other people, and I'm leaning in like a serial killer at a crime, you know. And um, I see him put it in, and she's still doing the she's seizuring out whatever. Yeah. It, she did not get better, and they gave her that, and she it was just like Pulp Fiction, just sit up like, and she looks around. And she looks down at her naked boobs, which are still pretty nice given the spottiness of her. And she looks down, looks at her boobs, and she looks at the paramedics with just like a super embarrassed, tortured face. She's like, they took my clothes off. And I remember us being like, that fucking bitch. (laughs) We fucking ran. I tried to cover you with a blanket. 100% true. And I just remember like, Truly, I wanted to, like, I stood on my tippy toes, I think, like, in real rage. Like, that's the only way you can process it, kind of. Like, oh, you fucking, uh, I can't say anything. And um, luckily, the paramedics just absolutely were well, dismissive. Like, yeah. This, yeah. And um, they stretch her out and just, that's it. Sayonara or safe. And then I learned the law is, is that it's a law they came up with. If you drop off an OD victim or call in one, they cannot prosecute or investigate i believe at all i mean well they'll have blood on their hands if they do that because no one's ever going to bring their body in do it again exactly so that that's exactly it so then you learn that and that's the first od you ever encounter the first and i'll say final real one oh wow so you never saw somebody have that never saw not that i've seen like smoke crack with this uh stripper once who smoked a bunch of crack of a thing and crappie flopped on the floor for a little (laughs) while and like truly like And, like, hitting her head on the linoleum kind of, like, very violent. It's freaky. But then she, like, gets up, and she's like, did I do that again? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, and we're haunted. I mean, just, like, you've seen a ghost. And we're like, yeah, you did. Like, do we need to take you to the hospital? Because we've been up smoking crack, and it's 6 a.m. right now. And then she'd be like, no, just give me another hit of that crack. She was fine. She really did. She's like, she got back to it. But I remember going... I'm never partying with her again. <laughs> and I held to it probably. I don't know. Who knows? But, um, yeah, those are the only ODs. And I think that's a good spot to break. I was going to say, that's yeah, like yeah. a good spot. That's I think good. so. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Great. All right. That is the end of part two. Ooh, I've lived a dark and worthless life at times, huh? Um, at least I have some good stories out of it and those stories continue we have part 3 coming next week and then we'll be back to our regular programming, we have some great episodes coming up so uh, check those out Um, again check out our social media pages and please share, we really appreciate it and rating on iTunes and all that shit it means a lot, so thank you very much have a great day, night or morning (laughs) 